You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. While you were skipping stones, building forts and flying kites, I was missing school and on my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me. Hello, I'm Mark Timonelli, and welcome back to Little Me Growing Up Broadway. My guest today has been performing in theater, TV, and film since the age of six. In 1989, she was cast as a Mouseketeer on the Disney Channel's The Mickey Mouse Club, performing alongside Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, Christina Aguilera, Carrie Russell, and Ryan Gosling. On Broadway, she was part of the cast of Hollywood Arms and starred in dozens of major regional productions and countless film and TV projects, including Jessica Jones, How I Met Your Mother, Lethal Lethal Weapon, and Ernest Saves Christmas, which I can't wait to talk about. She has toured the world with her acclaimed club act, Blood, Sweat, and Mouseketeers, and she's here today. Please welcome Lindsay Alley. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Mark. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. It's so good to be here. I am so thrilled to get to chat with you. So let's go back to the beginning. You're this kid growing up in Lakeland, Florida, who obviously can sing her face off, and you're probably doing that ad nauseum to everyone in your house. Talk to me about this little girl (laughs) running around the house singing show to you. Much to my brother's chagrin. Um, Yeah, you know, I, I kind of blame my parents for you know, letting me watch movie musicals from a very young age. And we also had a really wonderful dinner theater in my hometown, the Mark One Dinner Theater. And my parents used to take us and like, I guess I started seeing theater when I was, I don't know, five, six, and they would get tickets on the front row and it was a tiny theater. So I felt like I was on stage with the actors and that's where it all started. I just And so was Sound of Music your first big show there? Yes. It was yes. my it was my big break when I was six. I was Gretel. And um I had a very, you know, I can do that kind of moment. And I and I just kind of harangued my parents until they just thought, Oh, we just better let this kid do what she wants to do. Otherwise she's just gonna drive us crazy. And so that's uh that's kind of where it's where it all started. I so you started doing like the dinner theaters in the regional theaters in the Florida area. And you played Annie at the Burt Reynolds theater, which now is the mall Jupiter theater there. And that was everyone who's worked at that theater when it was the Burt Reynolds dinner theater. Was it a dinner theater? Yeah, it was a dinner theater. Um, Only has incredible things to say about Burt and working there. Tell me about what your experience was playing this iconic role of Annie. How old were you when you got to do that? Um, You know, I think it was a eight or nine. I was pretty young. I was a pretty young Annie. Um, and like tiny, tiny tunes is Annie you were. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little Annie. Um, but you know, when the audition opportunity came up, my mom was a nurse. Uh, my dad was a cop, uh, two public servants, you know, nothing really to do with show business, even though there were movie musicals playing all the time. My dad played the guitar and the piano by ear. So there was a lot of music in the house. 
but it, it wasn't like they could take time off of work to drive me to these auditions. So uh, I had a friend who was going down and I was really scrappy and got a ride uh, with my friend, Angela Angel. She drove me down to the audition and, um, and, and Charles Nelson Riley was the director. Of oh this my that, God. He's not crazy. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was pretty hilarious. It was and Alice ghostly was our Hannigan. Oh my God. Yeah, and she had done it on Broadway as well, I think. I think so. I think so. We're in the first national tour. Right, right. I mean, Charles was exactly as as you'd imagine. He was bigger than life. And I I remember one day in rehearsal, uh, the little girl playing Molly couldn't get her lines. And um, he fired her uh, in rehearsal. Like it it was very dramatic. He said, you're fired. You, you little kids don't realize how hard show business is. And he's of course spitting all over us and his glasses are falling down on the edge of his nose. And, you know, he said, um, your little mothers are sitting in the beauty parlor, getting their hair done. They don't realize how hard show business is. Sweetheart, darling, precious cupcake, angel, baby. And the little girl is in tears. And then he said, get up. That was acting. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god i mean wonderful and then and well, then I'm, he, I'm glad you're not like Bert. like i wasn't you so you're fine but i'm sure that was like a terrifying experience oh, I'm, I'm sure she's still in therapy yes. over it i'm sure yeah. she is but it was one of those moments that i will never forget and then like i didn't have a, a, a pocket in rehearsal i didn't have a place to put my notes my, my note and my annie locket and so he said, every actress needs a pocket. Even Julie Harris has a pocket. So I got him from that point on, my mom sewed like a like a, a little washcloth onto my rehearsal shirt. So I always had a pocket and I've never forgotten that. So obviously your parents must have been aware, like this kid's a star. Like you, you can't deny seeing your kid play Annie in this big Broadway-like <laughs> production and be like, she sucks. Like they must have known that you were really special at this thing. Well, I, I mean, I don't, I think star is pushing it, but I think they realized I was really passionate about something. My mom actually took a leave of absence from her nursing job to be with me in Jupiter for three months. I think they were really shocked when I got the job, um, but they were excited. You know, it was, it was kind of a cool thing. Um, I, I think they were sort of in disbelief every time I got something because they were like, oh, oh, we actually have to... <laughs> deal with this now. This yeah. kid wants to work, uh, which took them away from their work. Um, so anyway, my mom lived with me. We lived in Jupiter for three months while I did this show and it was amazing. I mean, what was your connection with Burt Reynolds? Cause it seems like he's come up a lot for you as a mentor and yeah. someone who really showed you what it was like to be a, a star. So I mean, I met Bert doing that show. Um, he came several times to, to visit you know, to visit the theater and meet, meet all of the kids. This is like the height of Burt Reynolds. This This is, is, yes, this this is not, this is major Burt Reynolds, Lonnie Anderson, magic tower. Yeah. He was like at the peak of his powers and very, um, very dreamy and, and so generous and so nice. And it just, you know, we, we struck up a friendship then and there and, and sort of remained in touch for years thereafter. And, um, I did a like a TV movie of the week with him um, when he was doing BL Striker. Uh, I did an episode of that with Morgan Brittany and Ozzie Davis. And I mean, it was, when I think back on it now, I just think, 
what an amazing time in my, in my little kid life. Like what a cool experience to, you know, interface with these huge stars. Tell me about Ernest Saves Christmas, which obviously was your first kind of big movie. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Um, And also explain to the people who Ernest, what, like, I want to hear it from you because it's an impossible thing to explain the Ernest phenomenon to maybe someone younger listening to this podcast. You know, isn't it sad now when you, when you reference it to somebody younger and they're like, who, doesn't it just make you feel yeah, so Yeah, I mean, it was such a big deal. He was everywhere. It, it was a it was a brand. I mean, yeah. Ernest Goes to Camp. How many were there? I, I know Ernest Scared Stupid was one. Ernest yeah. Goes to Camp. This Ernest Saves Christmas. I think there was another. I think there was at least four movies. Yeah, yeah. Jim Carrey, tons of right? ad campaigns. And so, totally. yeah, tell me about working on that movie. So, I, I mean, I, I booked that job randomly. I mean, I, I, I kind of can't even remember in the trajectory when that happened. Um, but I, again, I was little, I was probably, it was maybe right after Annie, I was 10 or 11. And I know it was before Mickey Mouse Club. Um, but I, I, it was just a random audition at some Hyatt hotel in Orlando. And I don't even remember having an agent. I don't remember how I got there, but it was, you know, just a luck of the draw thing. And, you know, this thing, I still get residuals on. It's hilarious. I get my seven cent check for Ernest Saves Christmas every year and, you know, drinks on me. And having never done a movie really, or, you know, at that point, not having been on TV for seven years of your life, where, uh, how, how, how hard was it to acclimate to this sort of new version of filming something over doing stage shows that you already knew how to do? Uh, you know, I, I think when you're, when you're a little kid and you're in this business, you're just, there's no room for fear. You're just doing it. You're doing it for fun. And so you're just, you're doing whatever they tell you and everybody's super sweet to the kids on set. And I didn't have this giant part. It was a little part, but I just remember doing it over and over and over and having so much fun doing it over and over and over. And I, I don't remember it being this big transition. I just remember all of it being play and and joy and fun. And I I think it's only when you <laughs> when you have awareness and and grow up and realize the competition and and kind of realize what the stakes are that it that you start getting heady about it. But at that age I was really just having fun, no matter what the medium was. Yeah, know? kids with fear don't book when they're little because no. the reality is, is we have adult fear when we're auditioning. But exactly. the kids that just go in and sparkle and they don't care and they move on with their day are the kids who book job after job after job. That's right. That's because right. they're so present and ready and all of that. So I'm sure that was the energy you were bringing into these auditions. Well, and I, I think, you know, I, that's what everybody tries to get back to as an adult is that like that sense of play and that sense of joy and just, you know, pure imagination. I sound really dorky, but that's, that's really, (laughs) it's true. true. All right. Let's talk about the Mickey Mouse club. Obviously this little audition you went to, you had no idea would change the course of your life. And uh, I was reading that you kind of, again, went with someone else who was, you know, going to the audition and you're like, I'll go too. I'm, have a great voice. <laughs> I <laughs> I must have been so annoying to all these people in in my hometown. I was like, can I just get a ride? My my mom has to work. And then and, you book it. Well, there were several callbacks, and I remember I can't remember if it was like the second or third callback. Um, my mom, God bless her, was was like slightly annoyed because the the audition was 
you know, it was running long. It was in the evening. My brother was with us and uh, she had driven us over to Orlando after work. And there was this big, long line and it didn't look like I was going to get in. She was like, you have school tomorrow. This is ridiculous. We need to go get in the car. I was like, no, no, no. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. And, and I think there were a total of six auditions that, you know, after that first one, she took me to the others. And then again, I think they were just sort of dumbfounded when we got that call. Um, What do you remember about getting that call? I, I remember it vividly. Um, a, a woman by the name of Nancy Cohen called me. And um, and I also think Matt Casella, the casting director, called as well. Um, but I was, I was standing on a stool in our kitchen, stirring macaroni and cheese. And the, you know, our landline rang and it was Nancy Cohen saying, hey, you know, you're a mouseketeer. You're, you're, you're going to come to Orlando. And, and, and of course, again, like, what, what is this? Nobody really knew what it, yeah, was, it wasn't a thing yet. I it mean, wasn't it was, a- had been a thing, you know, 30 years before, not even 20 years before, but um, yeah. So there was no way of knowing if this was going to happen for one year or right. what, but you had to know that this was going to be a big job. I mean, this was. Well, I, and I think anything that Disney is doing is, is a thing, you know what I mean? So I think that part of it, the Disney part of it was super exciting. It wasn't just, you know, um, some random tiny thing. It was, it was the Disney, it had the Disney stamp of approval on it. So it it was kind of a big deal. Um, And I, but even then we didn't realize like, you know, what it would turn into and, and the careers it would launch and, and, you know, the, the kind of profound lasting effect it would have on my life. Um, but yeah, it, it was, I, I remember getting that call and feeling so excited to be a part of it. Was there a lot of turmoil about figuring out how this was going to work within your family of like, oh, now yeah. we have to be in Orlando. Right. Now we have these big contracts to, you know, this is not something that most parents have to deal with. How did right. that all go down in your house? Well, and again, we're not show busy people, you know, (laughs) my, my, my parents were sort of just, you know, they wanted to do their very best to protect me and do the right thing by me, but also give me this opportunity. Um, And again, my mom, she, she couldn't take a leave of absence at this point. It was like a full on, like, I have to quit my job now. And, and because, you know, it, 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 I was over there, you know, kind of indefinitely. I was over in Orlando and it was too much to drive from Lakeland to Orlando every day to do, you know, your three hours on the set in the morning with school and then working in the afternoon. I mean, it was a full gig. So we ultimately worked out, my mom would stay with me in Orlando and my dad would stay home with my brother. And we carried on like that for six years. And my parents stayed married and my brother and I still like each other. So, you so know, it all, it all worked out. All what do you remember out. about those first few days of filming? And, you know, this is basically a show that gets set around your skills. Um, and so I'm sure that they were trying to figure out what songs you should sing. Yeah. And uh, what do you remember about that? Those early, you know, couple seasons of doing the show. I mean, that's, re- you're right. That's really what it was. It's sort of like a Saturday night live for kids. Yeah. And, um, and they had to kind of get to know all of us and figure out, you know, where everybody's strengths were. And I, I feel like if I auditioned for it all over again, I would never have gotten the job because I feel like 
if they did a reboot of the show now, like everybody would have to be a hardcore triple threat. Mm-hmm. And this version, I mean, they they cast, you know, very talented kids, but the kids had very specific strengths. Do you know what I mean? But most importantly, they were kids. They weren't like super groomed. Like I wouldn't Just say like showbiz. No. And, yeah. and I think that's the one thing Disney was really after with this group of kids is, is they really wanted them to be kids. They didn't want them to be these very um, polished showbiz kids. And so, you know, like one person would be an awesome singer, but not so keen on the acting front or, you know, I, I was a terrible dancer, still am like terrible. And <laughs> Instead of, you know, instead of like never putting me in a number, they wrote like a whole, you know, skit for me about how I couldn't dance and how bad I felt about it. And it ended up. I watched it last night. And then you sing, anyone can whistle. (laughs) It was really a sweet moment on the show. And there was a lot of, a lot of mail about that song because I think kids just saw themselves in that, like saw this thing that they that they couldn't do, that I admitted I couldn't do. And everybody has that thing. And, um, you know, so anyway, to go back to your earlier question, I think a lot of it was just learning who we were and, and leaning into our, our strengths and our, you know, and the, the things that we were really good at. Did you have input on what you wanted to do? Like, I really want to sing this song. This is my favorite musical or. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, I mean, it's funny in those early days, everybody was about most of the kids on the show were about Broadway. Like it was all Broadway music, you know, and, and Barbara Epstein, uh, one of the very early musical directors on the show, um, musical supervisor, I am going to get her title wrong, but, um, but she had like a, around the piano kind of discussion, uh, with John Cavanaugh and was like, okay, everybody, what do you want to sing? Just kind of wanting to hear what we had been listening to and everybody you know, was picking something from Les Mis or, you know, something from Oliver, you know? So she's like, gosh, we have all these Broadway babies. Um, but they wanted to do a lot of pop music on the show. And I often wonder if that's why they're not rerunning the shows on Disney plus now, because, you know, all, all the musical rights, they would have to clear. clear. I can't even fathom. I'm sure I bet it's something they're working on because I think there is a fan outcry for wanting to rewatch a lot of those episodes. I was poor, so we did not have Disney Channel. And so I have missed this entire thing. It just like, it. other kids would talk about it. And my mom's like, we're not getting Disney Channel. (laughs) Well, listen, Mark, if it makes you feel better, my dad only subscribed to the Disney Channel when they were airing new episodes. (laughs) If they were airing reruns, he's like, no, 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 we're not paying for it. No way. We've seen these. We've seen these. When did you get to first see like, the first few episodes, did they have like a special party for you, for you to actually see what this thing was that you were putting together? We, we watched it live on oh set. And I think it was, I'm going to get the date wrong. It was like April 13th or something, April 12th. I, I can't remember somewhere mid April, we all gathered on the set and we had a full audience of kids and we, we all watched it live and there was a huge cake afterwards. Um, but you know, it's funny, like, even then, I, I mean, as cool as that was, it didn't really register. And, and then as, especially over the next six years, it was just going to work. You know, I'm just going to go to work now. Now and there I, had to be, you had to 
be going out to the grocery store with your mother and people were stopping you. I mean, their kids, especially seeing other kids that are famous is a strange, very strange dynamic, but I'm sure that that had to start being like, oh wait, and is this bigger than I, I think like, when did you have some sort of sense that this was beyond just this job and that people were watching and you were getting famous as a kid? Um, yeah, I mean, people would, people would recognize me, you know, when I was out, it was always very sweet. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, there was no internet, so you don't really you avoided have avoided all of that. Insanity. I avoided all of that insanity. There were a lot of, and then of course, Disney got all of our fan mail and then they would sort through it and give us like a chunk of all the really nice ones. Oh, that's- Amazing. Which was really great. So we got a sense from that angle and then from the from the people, you know, who would stop us out. And certainly in my hometown, you know, I became a little bit of a thing for a second um, in, in my hometown of Lakeland. But, you know, it's funny. It, it wasn't until I kind of went to college that it that I realized how big of a deal it was, because when I moved into my my dorm at college, it was like the talk for a second, like, oh my God, guess who's in our dorm. And that's when it really hit me. Like, this was a thing. This was a show that people actually watched. It has like a full following. Um, And I knew it did because we were on air for so long and it was like the longest running, most expensive kids television show ever produced. But um, I think, don't quote me on that. But I, I believe you. <laughs> it, it wasn't. It you know. It wasn't until college and and then frankly adulthood that we realized like what an impact it had on people's childhoods and how you know people talked about how it was their you know the the one thing they looked forward to. It was, was also like a lot of kids babysitters. It was you yeah. know that thing after school they watched yeah. you know Disney Channel. Um, talk to me about your castmates. Obviously you were part of a very amazing group of young people and you being on the one of only three people to be on the show the entire time for what that's seven years. So we have Brittany and Christina and Ryan Gosling and Carrie Russell, Justin, what was your experience as these kids were joining? Was there ever like that girl is going to be a big star or did none of that really feel, you know, different? No, it, you know, it, it didn't really feel different. They were all, you know, extremely talented. That last group of kids that came in, um, the Brittany, Justin, Christina's group, um, you know, I remember like a few moments when we were just listening to Christina, like riff in the hallway. And she always had that voice and she was always singing. So she was, you know, 11 or 12 when she joined. And, and there were a few moments we were like, holy shit, this, this girl has some serious chops. And then Brittany, this sweet, precious little girl who- Little Southern girl. Yes, ma'am. Yes, that's right. Who would turn up in these dance numbers and just turn that mother out, like with the dancing. And And at this point, you're older, kind of watching these younger kids. Like you're a senior, the the senior member. Right, smoking in my trailer. it (laughs) It must have felt a little bit like- not competition because you're, you were older and very established on the show. Right. Yeah. Or maybe it did. I don't know. You tell me. You know, I don't remember having that feeling. I mean, I remember, you know, (laughs) I, I often joke, you know, kind of like, who are these children? (laughs) I'll be in my trailer. Um, but no, I mean, I, I sort of had like a big sister, you know, 
cousins at the family barbecue kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Like it was a, it, there was a, you know, there was an eyebrow raised of who are these kids, but they so much wanted our approval because we were senior to them and they, we were, you know, the more established players. Uh, They really looked up to the older kids and they, they wanted our approval and, and wanted to fit in. And so there was, you know, there was definitely, you know, people still say like, are you in touch with them? And, and we're not because, you know, I was 16, they were 12. Like how many 16 year olds, you know, who exactly who hang out with 12 year olds. So we didn't really bond in that way. We were on, on this show together, which we'll always have. And, and it was, you know, I, I remember everybody being really sweet to each other. Like there was no tension or animosity. Um, but I also, you know, wouldn't say like we were besties. It was like being a senior in high school and hanging and out, yeah. And, yeah, or middle schoolers, you yeah. know. Who's and celebrity? Cool. <laughs> You're like, I'm not hanging out with these. It's so much kids. cooler. I was so much cooler. <laughs> Whose celebrity has surprised you the most? Like, I cannot believe this person is so famous. You know, like I would have never thought that. Um. Honestly. I, I can't even say any of them. They're all so freaking talented. Yeah. You know, I mean, nobody's, nobody's rise has really surprised me. It's, it's made me insanely jealous at times. Let's be real. Um, I'm sure me, I'm jealous and I wasn't on the show. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it is a really weird thing that, that does a number on your ego. If I, I'm just going to be totally yeah. transparent because I mean, these were my colleagues effectively. And, and then I, I've over the years had a lot of, oh my God, what happened to me? Where did I go wrong? Did I zig when I should have zagged? But the truth is, is I was never going to be a pop star. You know what I mean? That was never going to be my trajectory. Um, and, and so there's been a lot of like coming to terms with the direction and the paths that I've chosen versus what they've done. Um, but ultimately, like these are really talented people and really nice people, and I, I, I can't say I am shocked that she made it. Yeah. Like I, I can't say that about any of them because they all are extremely talented people, and they deserve all the good things that have happened to them. Now, you obviously stayed on the show for a long time. Was there a moment where you're going, "This is enough," or your mom was saying, "Like we've done this enough," or was there any ever a question that you would just continue every year? Um, you know what? I was having such a good time. I was talking to Jennifer McGill about this. Uh, we did like a little podcast for, uh, Tony Lucas. He does a weekly, um, a weekly podcast, um, the Mover Lounge. And we were just talking about this. If the show had continued, would we have, would we have signed on? And Jen and I both said, yes, we would have, because let's be real. What else were we doing? And we were having a great time. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it was all fun and games. I think for some of the older kids, um, like one or two years older, I'm, I'm acting like everybody's so much older. They were, there, there was a definite readiness for the next thing. Like I want to go to LA or I want to move to New York. I think if I had to push pause on any of it, strangely, it, it was to have a sense of normalcy that I had missed from my, basically my entire childhood. Is normalcy the, the word I want? Or is it I think, normalcy? 
I think normalcy is right. Okay, let's but go with that. either one will work for our purposes. Yes. So I because I you know. would film, you would miss half the school year, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. And then kind of be a high school student for the rest of the year. Yeah. Is that like impossible to wrap your brain around? It was, you know, it was, I felt like it was a lot of work uh, on my part to kind of fit back in every time. And I worked really hard to fit back in because I, I, you know, I, I wanted my peers in high school to like me and not think I was, you know, some stuck up TV snob who thought I was better than anybody. It wasn't, I, I was just so desperate to have both worlds work. You know what I mean? And it, and it was tiring. I remember coming home from high school, just sleeping for like two or three hours, just from, you know, trying to be nice and on yes, and trying to be on all day. No one could be like that. Lindsay's a bitch. Exactly. Exactly. I was so, you know, worried, um, that they would, they would think that about me. Um, and I, I don't know, I guess, yeah, I would have said yes to more seasons of the show, but when it did come to a close, we did, gosh, over 300 episodes, seven seasons, six years. It was a long time. So when it did come to a close, it wasn't like I was, you know, in a puddle of tears in the corner. It was a mixed, mixed bag of feelings. I was really, really grateful for the experience, but really happy to just go to high school. Yeah. When, when the show ended, what year were you? I was, I was 16. So I was a sophomore in high school. And so I still got those last three years of, what did we say? Normality? Normalcy. Yes. Normalcy or normality. Either yes. one. one of them. One Not of them. a couple years of what it's like to be a real yeah. student. You got to do so many cool things on the show. I watched you inter- uh, interview Annette Funicello, yeah. which was like, I was obsessed with her because Back to the Beach. Do you remember that movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. yes. So, and obviously you performed all of these songs and did all these things. When you look back at that time, is there a moment or a performance that you go, that was the most special moment that I had in that, in that seven years? I, I could point to a dozen, which is so cool. Um, I, I, that one being like the top one. Um, anyone can whistle. I mean, that, that whole number alone, I still look back on and think, oh, what a, what a cool thing that, that Disney allowed us to do Stephen Sondheim on. Yes, it's very, that would never happen now. I know, yeah. ever, ever. It would never like happen. Like just some 10-year-old singing a song from Passion in the new Mickey Mouse Club. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's happening. <laughs> Maybe. I'd, I'd love to, to see it. I'd, I would watch that. I would sign up. I would, I would uh, join Disney Plus for that. I can slay a dragon any old week. Easy. What's hard comes simple. What's natural comes hard. Maybe you could show me how to let go. Lower my guard. Learn to be free. Maybe if you whistle, whistle for me. Yeah, and then I the you know the last um, the last season, they kind of stopped doing live songs. Like I sang, anyone can whistle live, and we did that in one take. But then they st- they kind of stopped doing live numbers. Uh, you know it. 
it got a little more produced as the years went on. And then in the last season, I convinced our musical supervisor that, that I should sing girls with guitars live, the Winona Judd tune. Mm -hmm. And she was really hesitant. And she was like, no, I, I think what we'll do is, is record it in the studio and then we'll give you a pass at it live. And if it goes well, great, but I think we should have this backup thing. But it was very much uh, you get one shot to sing it live. And I, I guess I just, you know, was ready to show her that we could still sing live and, and it, I did it and it was great. That's so cool. <laughs> it was really fun. I just remember feeling very energized and proud after that. Um, very passionate. Now uh, you have this record of essentially growing up on TV or this, uh, the, you know, these awkward years that most teenagers have where I am so, I thank God every day that there was no YouTube when I was like 12, 13, 14, because there would be videos of me like performing Jerry's girls in my, you know, bedroom, which the internet did not need to see, but you have this record of essentially going through puberty yeah. on yeah. TV. Was that a really hard thing for you at the time? You know, what do you remember about? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was rough. It was rough. Um, and God, when I look back on it now, I just think, oh, if only I had just said, it's going to be okay. It gets better, kid. It gets better. But, but you're yeah. so good. You're like so good. You're, you, you seem like you're just having a great time. And it seems like you are so comfortable, even especially in the later seasons where it feels like you are kind of almost like a host, you know, right. that there's just like. A settling in. Yeah. There was a settling in for sure, but there was that period and it was very specifically season four um, where I was so awkward. I had braces and, and uh, the, the channel was really not happy about me getting braces. And it was a bit of a struggle with my parents and the producers kind of saying, we don't want her to have braces. We don't want, you know, we don't want that look on the show. And my parents going, look, you know, she's going to chew down a tree if we don't get her braces. I mean, I had like crazy buck teeth. Um, anyway, my dad said, look, she's getting braces. That's it. And I, I think the producers were just concerned about, I don't know, how I'd look, I don't know what they were concerned about, but there was a lot of mail that came in from kids going, I have braces too. So it ended up working out, but you know, I didn't have boobs. I had braces. I had some acne. There was a lot of awkwardness going on. And I, I remember coming home a lot of those nights feeling incredibly inadequate, especially when I'm on set with Carrie Russell and Alana Miller and these, these girls who are absolutely nailing puberty, like just doing it, you know, with such grace and I am just ruining Christmas, you know, with never, never, never. Oh my gosh. It was a rough time, but you know, we you all go back and watch anything now. Have you seen, have you seen stuff recently? Um, <clears throat> I, I don't really watch it. Certainly like somebody uh, will occasionally send me something via YouTube, like send me a link and go remember this gym. And <laughs> like somebody did that the other day with, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, help. Um, I did a cover of the Beatles help, but the, the premise was I was stuck in like a, a cherry picker, uh, decorating for a party and you needed help and I needed help to get down to join my own party. It was one of those moments where I thought, wow, we're, this is a reach. But is there a moment that you're like, that you fought over not wanting to do while it was given to you? Like, I cannot sing this song. Don't make me do this. 
Uh, there probably was, but I did it anyway. Because <laughs> you're, you're a good student. I was a good student. I'm a pleaser. I'm such a pleaser. It's terrible. Don't be a people pleaser. But uh, yeah, I'm sure there were moments, but I just kind of sucked it up. And I mean, it's a remarkable I, legacy to have to be part of that. And I hope that, and I can tell that you do know that it was a special experience and that so many kids and so many of my friends were so obsessed with it. It was the group that they wanted to be friends with. And you were, you know, you were in the group. It's, well, it's very cool. You know, it's funny, like going back to the thing you were saying, like, you know, did, did, did you know what a big deal it was? You know, even now it's really funny. Um, I can be in a group of moms now, like, and somebody will say, I feel like I know you from somewhere. Did we go to camp together? Did we, did you ever live in blah, blah, blah? And they can't quite put their finger on it. And I do let them struggle with it for a while before going, oh, it's probably this thing. And then they go, it's that thing. It's that show that I watched. So it's that, you know, yeah, it, it was a sense of like wanting to be friends with these kids. So I don't know. I love a- it. I love all of it. All right. We have so many other things to talk about. Sorry. sorry. So, no, no, it's great. It's so cool. <laughs> and I love that story. And so many people who I've talked to who are child stars have the a very similar thing. Aileen Quinn, who played Annie in the movie, oh, people sense. always ask her, did you go to prom with my brother? It's like, yes. it's just like the strangest connection they think and, they have with her. And they can't quite put their finger can't on it. it. It's so funny. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. So you decided to go to college for, did you, what did you study? You went to University of Missouri. Did you study theater acting? What was your major there? I did. And in, in fact, I, um, it, it was a random, not a random choice. I, was very good friends with Burt Reynolds in, in my childhood and, and couldn't decide where I knew like I wanted most, to Like college. most kids. Like most kids, like you yes. are. Um, and so <laughs> I took all of my college literature. I toured a few places and I, I really thought I was going to go to NYU or Juilliard or, you know, uh, BU. I don't know. I had, you know, all grand these. Plans. I had these grand plans and I took all of my paperwork uh, to Burt's house and I laid everything out on, on the kitchen table and 
I was like, what do you think? What do you think? Where, where, where do you think I should go? And I was thinking he was going to say FSU. And he said, I think you should go to the university of Missouri, Columbia. And I, 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 my Mickey Mouse Club education, I was like, where is Missouri? Is that one of the square ones in the middle? And he, at the time, had his Institute for Theater Training in Jupiter. And he had a lot of kids in his theater program in Jupiter who would come out of the University of Missouri. He said, they're doing something right there. You should go and check it out. So my mom and I flew to Columbia, Missouri, and met with Jim Miller, my college professor there. And I had the best four years in college. I got to be a big fish in a smallish pond in the theater department there. I got to do like, you know, 17 shows in four years. It was wonderful. Um, But of course we can, you know, go round all day, could have, should have, you know, just gone to LA, just gone to New York. This is like where I get, you know, I mean, you can't unring a bell. This is a decision you made. It sounds like you had an amazing experience there. Did you ever get to the Ararat Lyceum Theater in yes, Washington? Yes, I did. I did the Ararat. That's a great that was, theater. That was my first like equity job, I think. I'm what show? Remember. I did Lost in Yonkers oh. and Oliver and a couple other things. That's a sweet theater. It was a sweet theater. It was a really yeah. fun time because when I was 20, I looked 11. And so... Yeah. That those are the, oh thank you God bless you um, can we talk about Paper Moon so this show was happening what how old were you when when that all kind of went down so that was um, that was also before Mickey Mouse Club um, oh, okay so same casting director though so he I, I think I was in New York to actually you know uh, read for something else I don't even remember um, maybe it was an early a very early Mickey Mouse Club uh, audition, but Matt Casella said, while you're here, I want you to read for Addie Prey um, in this musical version of Paper Moon that I'm doing. Um, and he and his brother, Martin Casella, had, had kind of written this together. And uh, and then years later, the reading came to be uh, with Gregory Harrison and Christine Ebersole as Trixie. She's just ridiculous. I mean, just beyond, beyond. Um and, and so we did, I did two or three readings of it at the Coast Playhouse in LA. And then I outgrew it. Uh, and so I didn't get to, to uh, I think it went on to- um, They did Paper Mill and then they were supposed to come to Broadway and then none, that didn't happen. Yeah. I don't know what happened with it. I really thought it was a great show. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I just outgrew it. Which, was that like hard to hear like, you're not moving forward with this thing that because Broadway know, must have been the dream for a kid who sang like you. So this is a safe place, right? Yeah, so I, I actually didn't hear it. I, I didn't hear it. I, I read about it in a playbill Oof. at another show. I saw that it was, you know, coming soon to Broadway. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. But that's just like, you know what? That was one of my first moments of, Oh, Oh, this is, this is what this is. This like, business is very hard. This is, it's really, it, I remember seeing it and, and showing it to my mom and we both like, you know, when your face gets kind of hot and stingy yes. feeling when you're like, when you learn that somebody is, you know, cheated on you, <laughs> it's that same feeling. And I just remember going, 
they're doing it without me? How very dare. Um, well, it didn't work out for them. Um, it's, it's, but it's, you know, that's, that is show business, man. That is, that show is, business. That is what it is. So. Tell me about Booking Hollywood Arms, which was uh, the Broadway play kind of about Carol Burnett's childhood and uh, directed by Harold Prince on Broadway, where you were uh, sort of standing by for the star of the show, Donalyn Champlin, right. um, the part that she played. Was that, what was that experience like? Uh, amazing, but too, again, too short. It's another one of these showbiz stories that, you know, you had all the makings of the hit of the season. It, it did. I mean, like I often joke and say, look, it's, you know, written by Carol Burnett, directed by Hal Prince, starring Linda Lavin. It's going to run for years. Three months later, I had the best waitressing job in New York. You know? <laughs> so, you know, that's that's kind of how it goes. I mean, several auditions for that, too. And I just uh, remember being in Hal Prince's office, um, you know, doing the scene for him. And I remember having that moment before I started the scene of, well, this like, okay, I, I am in Hal Prince's office reading a scene. I, I, I mean, just please just <laughs> pinch me. Um, and then, you know, I, I never got to go on because we didn't really run yeah. long enough, you know, and, and Donna Lynn never got sick. And I, I liked her so much that I didn't want to pull a Tanya Harding kind of thing and take her kneecaps off. Um, and she's, she's just so brilliant. And I had a very frustrating experience to have that. I mean, that role is huge. huge. The pages and pages of monologues that she has and yeah. to be ready for that and then not get to do it, I'm sure was really, really a lot to yeah. take on. I don't know what's worse, like never getting to do it or or having your sphincter so tight upstairs in that dressing room all the time, just like wondering if you're going to have to do it. Like God bless every swing ever who's not just prepared to go on for one role, but prepared to go on for multiple roles. Um, I just, how do they do it? Did you have a real love of Carol Burnett? Was that something that oh, you grew yes. up obsessed with? Yeah, totally. Um, Carol Burnett, Lucille Ball, Dolly Parton, um, you know, Faith Prince. Who you're, uh, who you, Faith is part of First Wives Club, First Wives, right? Yeah. Let's talk about First Wives Club oh, because man. we want that show on Broadway so desperately so as soon as Broadway reopens. But uh, you're playing. I outgrow yeah. this role too. I am going to be officially annoyed because, you know, that seems to be like you get so close and then they're like, hmm, we're getting, we're going younger. We're going younger. No, so. no, no, no. It's going to happen. Tell us about First Wife Club. What can we, what can we expect? When it happens, is it great? You got it, to do like the out of town, like big production, right? Right, yes. in Chicago. Yeah. Um, and it was, I mean, that was such an exciting thing. It was one of those, again, another one of those real show busy things where uh, I didn't get it. I think it was, you know, down to me and two other people. Like, like you know, it's always down to you and, and a few other people. And then um, uh, I, I heard I didn't get it and I was really bummed. And then uh, on New Year's Day, 2015, uh, I got a call saying the girl who said yes is now going to go do a production of Beautiful. Can you come and do it? And, you know, there there is that one moment always where you're like, oh, why didn't they pick me first? But you don't care. You just want to be yeah. in the room so bad. You just want to do it so bad. You're like, what time do I need to be at the airport? You know, so um, I mean, I, it was just so fun. And I met so many great wonderful people doing it. And the show's so, I mean, eh, like every new production, there are some kinks to work out, but it's when it does finally come to Broadway, I think it's going to be a huge, big fat hit. 
Now, you're a creator. I just watched your uh, YouTube show on the patio where you talk to your mom about hilarious things. What was the idea for that? And um, it seems like people love it. Um, so I have some dear friends in Lakeland, Florida, in my hometown, Matt and Katie Wyatt, who have, um, and Andy McIntyre have this incredible production company. And we were going to do a little cooking show together. And so we shot an episode of it and, um, the cooking show itself wasn't very funny, but what was kind of funny is my mom standing in the background, just giving me advice while I was doing the cooking show. And Andy and Matt and Katie were like, it's not the cooking show. It's this, this is the show that we need. Let's do it. Let's take the show out on the patio and just interview your mother. So, um, I'm playing the straight man in this and she, I'm setting her up. She's knocking them down, but with no prep, no script, she's a star. Like she's I mean, so funny. You show her a picture of Snooki and she goes, is that Adele? And I literally <laughs> peed in my pants. I was like, this is the funniest thing ever. I think I laughed. I think they had to cut my laughter. I, I laughed for so long, but there, you know, there have been so many moments just in life uh, like that with her. She's just a naturally funny person. It's so, so great. Now you have an incredible solo show, which is kind of recaps your experience as this uh, Disney child star and, you know, your whole life uh, that you've worked on with our brilliant friend, Ben Rimmelauer, which is how I know you. So I'm so, thank you, Ben. But what's your hope for that show? I know that you were kind of blowing it up pre-COVID, doing it everywhere. Will Will you get back to that? I will. I mean, COVID has been such a, God, it's really just been terrible. (laughs) uh, So many words. Well, it just also stopped so many things in its tracks. That's it. That's it. That's it. And it, you know, kind of like makes every artist question what they're, what they're doing. And, and, um, you know, I, I, yes, the short answer is yes, we will come back. Um, and I will do it again. I think I will do some new incarnation. Um, I'm working on a new version with my friend David Sexton called After Ever After. Um, and we are, um, and my friend uh, Michael Pesci, we're sort of trying to take a blood, sweat, and mouse look, ma, no ears, blood, sweat, and mouseketeers, and After Ever After, and have them kind of turn into this, you know, this moving story, this, the, the, saga continues of, you know, life post this, post that, and now post COVID, you know, how, how has it changed our, our view of the world of our, of our spouses? I know it's, it's crazy. Now your, your spouse is a a Brit, so he did not have the experience of certainly growing up with you. Has it been strange explaining to him your celebrity? You know, I, I'm still, I'm still trying to convince him that I was a big deal at one point. Get him over here. I'll tell. Him. <laughs> I think he's. I think he's so over me and over my jokes and over all of my shenanigans at this point, especially post COVID. Um, don't quarantine with your husband. Really, it's uh, really hard. I. It, it's I no joke, right? There you go. It's it's uh, it's it's really I no joke. Ten times harder when you have a child. So that bless you for for yes. get you have a three year old. Uh, yes. That sort of leads me to this question. How is like your, you being a mom now, has that changed your outlook on what it was like being a child performer? Is that kind of shifted any of your thoughts on that experience seeing now that you have your own kid? 
Um, yeah, yes and no. I mean, there are so many moments where I think I will, like even now when something rotten happens to me in show business or I, I don't book a job that I really want um, or I have a horrendous audition, I just think never, ever, ever will I let my kid be an artist, like ever. Um, I will rip that paintbrush out of his hand. No movie musicals for you. Um, but then like, I just think I would never deny him the joy and the experience if that's really what he wanted to do. And I'm so grateful that my parents said yes to me all those years, even though I can't really, you know, point to any great career and say, look, I'm, I'm super successful in making lots of money. You know what I mean? But but I'm so excited to have had, I'm so happy to have had the experiences I've had. Um, and they let me, they let me do it. Um, and I would let my kid do it too, if he really wanted it, but he would have to really want it. So you're a phenomenal singer. I mean, your voice is gorgeous and you have like so much power and it's really, really fun to watch you perform. And I watched a ton of your uh, solo show last night. Is Do you think Broadway's the thing? Do you think TV and film is the thing? Where do you feel you're moving when, when the world reopens up? You know, I, I, I don't know. I think, um, I'm trying to just show up for myself every day, to sing something every day, write something every day. Um, I keep thinking I'm going to stop loving it and, and I'm going to stop wanting it and, and dreaming about it. And I secretly kind of hope I do because I feel like it make, might make my life easier if I didn't have this, you know, habit of wanting to emote yeah. on stage and sing, but it, it doesn't go away. Damn it. It's just like this nagging thing that I kind of can't wait to get back to. And so I kind of, I just, this is going to sound real dorky, but I'm just trying to have a really open heart and, and be open to any opportunity that comes my way and sort of be ready, you know, just I'm continuing to, you know, plot along over here and do my work and keep my book up to date and have my little, you know, go to pieces ready and get, get all the stuff written for my new show. Um, so, so I'm ready when, when the green light comes back yeah. on. Do you think having that Mickey Mouse club experience has been something that has helped you in the room or something that people feel like is a negative for you? when they're, when they're talking about casting? You know, I don't know, uh, because I'm usually not in the room yeah. when they're talking about those things. Thank God. Um, I mean, thank God none of us have to hear those things. Um, you know, I would imagine someone would be so excited when you walked in the room and they have a particular experience with watching you as a kid and you being so stunning and fabulous as an adult that yeah. you're, you know, sort of checking the boxes. Um, you know, we'll I go don't, with I that. Let's go with that. Let's go with that, Mark. Uh, let's go with stunning and fabulous. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, there were years where I thought, should I just take this off my resume? Because does it make me look, you know, no pun intended? Is it cheesy? Is it? But now it's like a full blown conversation piece. Yeah. And I mean, if nothing else, you know, it, it's something to to really poke fun at now. Like I, I am the only Mouseketeer you don't know about because everybody else is. There's made a it. few other ones. Don't worry. <laughs> well, yes, I mean, it, but you know what I'm saying. It's um, 
it is one of those one of those funny things I can go, how did I have all this momentum and and blow it in such a huge way? But it's not that. It's no, just it's like, not that. It's, it's really it's not a career that. in the business. And I think no matter where you are, there's always somewhere else someone's trying to go. So I mean totally. you talk to Justin Timberlake, he's like, but I couldn't make this movie happen that I really wanted to right. do. You know, everyone's just in their box of wanting more or thinking yeah. that. So I don't think you're yes. off in the idea of like. I think you've done more than when we're looking at your huge picture of all of these movies and TV shows and guest stars and solo shows. And you've done so much and you've made such an impact for so many young kids who grew up watching you and wanting to be you that who knows how you impacted their lives. There's just like a lot that you just never know. So that's true. That's true. And and it's a really good reminder because you can get very, I mean, like I always say, you're like Ariel on the rock, you know? (laughs) Like I am more, and it you can kind of get into that um, that thing without stepping back and realizing, you know, all the opportunities that you have had that have been really it's profound, really and special. Cool. Yeah, it is. All right, Lindsay, Ali, I need to know what you're obsessed with right now. Okay, does it have to be something like arty? It could be anything. It could be an Instagram okay. account. Anything. God. All right. I have hives on my neck. Why do I have hives on? My neck? Okay. Um, you out. I'm sorry. So, you know, this is so dorky, but I'm like obsessed with all things kitchen right now. Like gadgets. Gadgets. Yeah. I, I, COVID has put me into a very, um, uh, domestic, um, state and I have organized the absolute F out of everything in my house. My, my husband's underwear drawer is a work of art. I might start an Instagram account for just my drawers in the house. Um, but, but between the home organization and my kitchen gadgets, like I'm obsessed with the air fryer. Like what can I air? Do I need to get an air fryer today? Okay. Yes. Like as soon as we hang up, I'm going to target. Yes. Run to target, put your mask on, go get a ninja. I want the two quart though. The three quarts too big for my kitchen. That's right. Just get the small one. Um, it is like kind of the very best thing that ever came out okay. between that and my little instant pot and that, that always pan that, um, uh, you've seen it. I know on what Instagram. you're talking about. Yeah, I was threatened by Instagram. If you don't buy this pan and it is worth the hype. And, and I'm also obsessed with this, um, this Instagram account, uh, shut the kale up. Okay. It's like, a you know, this hot young mom, and we all just want to be a hot young mom and she does everything healthy. And, and I'm, <laughs> I'm an old tired mom. So I just, you know, I'm, I'm aspiring I love to her. It. My obsess this week is a Netflix show called murder among Mormons. Um, it's Ooh. real crazy story. It's just three parts. Um, so if you love a true crime, deep, I cut, do. yes, I will. I have so much for you, Lindsay. Okay. I love true crime. I, I saw a few in the pandemic that really, really upset me. Um, uh, there was that, I, I don't, I can't even say I'm on here because they were so upsetting, but I saw a few true crime things. And so I leaned away from that, but this one sounds it's very, really, it's, it's actually kind of fun and shocking and not, yeah, it's not serial killery. It's, uh, just this wild, this wild story. So check out murder among, I think it's among Mormons on Netflix. Okay. Okay. Ready right. for right. the check. Broadway workshop, quick fire questions. Here we go. Okay. Okay. You're full on. Wait, wait, don't start. Mm. What was okay. your first audition song? Uh, that's no way to treat a ladybug. Adorable. Um, from Going Buggy 
my third grade musical. First Broadway show you saw? Uh, 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 Les Mis. Have you ever turned down a Broadway offer? No, God, no. Are you insane? Did you watch the new Britney documentary? I haven't yet. And everybody says it's so fascinating it's, and sad. It's fascinating and, and sad and heartbreaking. But okay, all right. It also is making people that come behind her in a good way and not in a like making fun of her way, which I think is necessary. Okay. Totally. Fill in the blank. Carrie Russell is hilarious. What do you want on your bagel? Uh, I, which I just had this morning. Um, uh, Kite Hill chive, like vegan cream cheese, sliced avocado, sliced tomato, and everything but the bagel shake from Trader Joe's. That. Strangest fan interaction. Um, <laughs> Your face. <laughs> I've got one that I'm not going to share. Uh, save it for I'll, the book. I'll save it. I'll save it for uh, the dark bar that we're going to meet at yes. at some point when this is all over. Um, I've had I've had a few really nice uh, fan letters from prison. Okay, which has made me feel actually pretty great. And I just think, do they have Disney Channel in prison? No, but they must have had it before they were in prison. Maybe. Either way, it doesn't matter where it comes from. It does my ego so much great. good. <laughs> Are you on Cameo? No, but you know what? Um, somebody said I should. What be. are you should doing? Yes, today. Okay, so you get the air fryer. I'll get on cameo. cameo. Let me know how it works out. So okay. wait, it's just like one of those things where you say happy birthday. Yeah, to you're people. gonna be like, hey, it's Lindsay Alley from the Mickey Mouse Club. I'm happy anniversary, Sheila. Your husband says that you used to love our show, and then you sing okay. like a line of something, and someone pays you like fifty bucks. Okay, I'm on it. Done. I'm okay, it. Um, go to <laughs> album for a car trip. Oh, um, go-to album for a car trip. Um, I know this, I should answer this quickly. Um, I really like this artist, Robbie Gill, okay. who my husband introduced me to. He's just this like sexy rocker and he, he sings really loud and he's very passionate. And it's one of those, like you turn up and you just, you feel a little hot and All right. damp. I mean, <laughs> hot and damp. <laughs> In a good way. Absolutely not. One per the person from Mickey Mouse Club you talk to the most. Um, Alana Miller and Carrie Russell. Do you still have a Disney hookup? In what like, way? Are you to, like, getting into the park in a back way or? Yes, everybody has a hookup. Yes, everybody has a hookup. Actually, I I can't reveal my hookup. Don't but, reveal it. But I'm glad you yeah. still have a hookup. Yes, but because we didn't get silver passes, and I I would like to file like an official grievance like, formal. Cravens with management. Um, okay, I want blank movie to be a musical. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. Oh my God, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, I got it. Yes. Dumb and Dumber. Okay, that would be fun. Dumb and Dumber, my favorite film. What role I should... Yes, I am that stupid. No, you're not. What role should Patti Lapone play in First Wives Club if all the roles were open? Oh God. Um, well, I think she'd probably be, I think she'd probably be hilarious in the Faith Prince role. And just saying if Faith was busy on a TV show. If Faith was busy, but like, I don't. I you don't want Faith so to be busy. Many, okay. Like, I don't want Faith to be busy because Faith is amazing. And she's, she's one of my she's heroes. The real deal. But I feel like she would be most type right yeah. for, for the, you know, for the bet role. Can you name two real housewives? 
Mm, okay, you can. Yes, uh, no, no, no. I can. It, the, you know, um, I I can. Uh, it's the one. Um, oh, you do not watch. It's fine. It's fine. I don't watch. Ben, wait. What is the, oh, the Countess Luann? The, the Countess Luann. Yes. Sorry, yes. sorry. Pandemic have you seen brain. Countess Luann's show? No, no, I haven't. Actually, I, I also have missed girl. it, and I am a very big Housewife fan. I can't afford a ticket. Yeah, it's to that absurd. Show. Okay, what Mickey Mouse Club things do you have in your home? In my current home or my mother's home? Well, your current home. Okay, nothing. I'm sure your mom I mean, has it all. Okay, my mom has everything, and uh, I'm in the process of of cleaning out my my childhood bedroom. Um, and I <laughs> unearthed, I'm not joking, 13 Mickey Mouse Club jackets. Oh, my God. 13. Okay. And so something's going to happen to these at some point. Cause I, I mean, like I'll save a couple for Owen, but I just can't keep 13. Seems like jackets. a lot. It seems excessive. Seems so like I love too many. <laughs> Maybe I'll auction them off on cameo. Okay. Well, that's something people do. I don't know how that works, but I got to okay. make the rule. Um, who makes you starstruck? Um, honestly, if I saw Ina Garten in life, I would lose my mind. Like I would, I would lose it. I love her. Um, kind of anyone from the Food Network. Right. I that's I'm, I'm so stupid. Have you not? Just, have you ever seen a ghost? No, and I hope I never. Great. Do. Favorite quarantine TV binge? Uh, Fargo. We loved. Oh, um, so good. So, so good. Um, oh, oh, uh, Ozark. Everything. Oh, everything. My God. It just gets better and better every it, season. Like, How I just, Tom Pelfrey, like, uh, the actor who played Laura Linney's brother, yeah. like, that's some of the best acting I've ever seen in my life. That's so good. And Laura Linney is like, that's just, she's, a, she, it's an know, acting. That house stresses me out in a way that I cannot describe. That long glass wall, like, that house, like, I'm very stressed figuring out also the mechanics of that house is very confusing to me. Okay. Yeah, have, but an amazing have you ever left the Broadway show at intermission? Yes. You do not have to tell us what it was. I'm not going to tell what you. What movie can you watch over and over again? The Pelican Brief. Um, every time it's on, I watch it. Uh, Steel Magnolias. Every time it's on, I watch it. Shawshank Redemption and Dumb and Dumber. Great. And my last question, what advice do you have for young performers? Do you, I tell people this all the time. Cause I, I think I've spent just so much time over the years wondering like what they want, what do they want? What do they, what should I give them? What do they want? And they just want you to be you. So just do you. That's, that's my biggest thing is like, you are your, you are your own superpower. Well, Lindsay, you are a delight. Tell the people where they can follow you and find out what's going on with your life and your drawers and all oh of that. Oh my gosh. You know what? After this talk, I am going to take pictures of my closets and my drawers because when this whole show business thing doesn't work out, I'm going to join this like organization bandwagon and like go into some hoarders homes and it. sort their lives out. Um, I am Ms. Lindsay Alley on Twitter and Instagram. And that's Ms. Lindsay Alley. Um, and then I, I'm somewhere on Facebook. I don't know. I think I'm just Lindsay Alley. Yeah. And everyone go to Lindsay's beautiful website and make sure you add oh, your yes. it's gorgeous and add your name Ooh. to her mailing list. So you know what's going on. And yes. I'm sure by the time this episode comes out, you will be on cameo. I'll so be on cameo. Go get your cameo from Lindsay Alley. <laughs> Wait, so really, I just need to like 
I think you, you just like set it up. up? I, I don't right. know. I'm not, my dream was to be famous enough to be on Cameo and that didn't happen for me. So it's happening for you. There you Look, go. you have a fancy podcast. You're going to be on. This Cameo is so um, Lindsay, <laughs> I adore you. I'm so, it was such a pleasure to meet you. I'm so, so grateful you would take this time to share your story with me. And uh, thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next week with an all new episode. Bye, Lindsay. Bye, Mark. Thank you so much. Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network, and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm slash littleme. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at That Tuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.